Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Amen. John chapter 15, we're reading from verse 1. And these are Jesus' words. Jesus speaking to his followers, his disciples, giving them some encouragement before he goes to the cross. So this is not the resurrected Jesus. This is before Jesus is going to go to the cross. And he's giving some great advice for his followers. And we're going to pick up in verse 1 of John chapter 15. I am, says Jesus, the true vine. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Once again, he says, verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. That's you as a believer. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Wow. This is to my Father's glory, says Jesus, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I've kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this. To lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends, says Jesus, if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I've learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Wow. If you sometimes say, well, I don't hear God's voice and I don't hear Jesus speaking to me. You read these chapters. You, got the very, if you read the red bits in your Bible and you've got Jesus speaking. It's recorded. And it's amazing to read these scriptures of his 
instructions, his advice to his followers. I don't know if you're a follower of Jesus today, if you've given your life to Jesus. I gave my life to Jesus back in 2002. I was brought up in church, but in 2002, I gave my life to Jesus and I became a follower of Jesus. I became a disciple and I didn't just enter a club or sign into the church. I joined in this relationship with Jesus Christ. And when Jesus speaks here, there's some very important things, and I want to bring out this morning. But one of the first things I want to say is, I don't know if you noticed this, but in those 17 verses that we have just read, those very 17 verses, in 11 times, Jesus uses the word remain. 11 times out of 17 17 verses, nearly every verse, but remain, he says. In the previous chapter, in John chapter 14, Jesus says a poignant statement that really rocks and shakes the whole religious system today of all of the religions. Jesus said this. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Wow. I meet people on the streets, I talk to them about Jesus from other religions and they say to me, you know, this is my way, I found my path and all paths lead together, we'll, we'll all join together and have a great party at the end. But unfortunately, I can't join in with that conversation. I can't accept what they say because Jesus says in John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In other words, I'm afraid, and it's not politically correct these days to say it, and if it's recorded, I might end up in prison one day, but I don't care. But Jesus is the only way. There'll be times coming soon when you will not be able to say that so easily in church. Be ready for it. There'll be times when I won't even be able to say that without trouble coming my way. That Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. But what does Jesus say? When the end times come, persecution is going to come. So we know that when he says this poignant statement, I love it because I really believe it's true. I believe that Jesus is the only way. You know, I meet people of other religions and they say we're all going to meet together, but they seem depressed. They don't seem like their life's changed. And there's one important thing that Jesus mentions. He says, I'm the way. In other words, he says, through me there's access. You know, through the, the, the sacrifice on the cross, there is a way. He says that there's truth. We know that in John chapter 14, it says this in verse 16, that he gives the spirit of truth. Jesus says, I'll ask my father and he will give you, when I'm gone, the spirit of truth. So in other words, he says, I'm the way, the truth. He says, I'm the way because I'm going to die. I'm paying the sacrifice, the access to God, reconciliation back to the father. But then he says, I'm giving you the spirit of truth. I'll tell you, if there's any spirit from any religion you need today, it's the spirit of truth. Who wants to know truth? I want to know the truth. Because the truth sets us free. But then he says another thing. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Now listen to me. When you get saved and you're born again, and you have this experience, and I had it in 2002, where I surrendered everything I am to God. We have these days, you can mark it off in the calendar, I'm going to be speaking about it today. In Ignite, I'm going to be talking about that day when life changed for me. 
I'm going to be talking about that specific day when I said yes, and maybe I signed up the membership form later on to church, said, yeah, I want to be baptized, I want to become a member. But listen to me, Christianity and Jesus and knowing Jesus is not about a day back in 2002. It is about life. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth. He didn't say, I'm an event in your diary that when it happens, you'll have this special occasion. Yes, we were born again of the Spirit. We have another birthday. Amen. We have two birthdays. Come on. You don't get that in other religions. Two birthdays. You got more presents. But listen to me. It's not about a day. It's about life. You see, the thing is, Jesus uses the word remain for a reason. Because he knows that when he's gone, he sends his spirit, that the point, listen, life is this. It's the point of time between your birth and your death. Therefore, it's about a time, an elapse of time that you're going to need to remain in Jesus. In other words, it's not just some calendar date that you changed, that you look back to and say, that's when it all changed and I tick the box, I become a Christian. No, Jesus says, do you understand, when you enter into this relationship with me, When you come into this relationship, you have just started a life journey. So that's why he mentions 11 times, because he knows he's going. He says, I've been around you guys. You've seen the miracles. You've, you've, you've hung around me. We've been together. I've encouraged you. I've done all these things for you. But listen, do you know what? I'm going to send the spirit of truth who's going to be the one just like me. So you're going to get someone just like me. The spirit of truth is going to come and will do all the same things that I've, I've done, except you can't see me. Isn't that amazing? Jesus, by his spirit, is here today in this room. When we believe in his name, in the same way, we can't physically see him, but it's the same attributes. One like me. And do you know why he sent his spirit? So that you can remain in Jesus. Hallelujah. It's not about just a day. The word remain suggests that you're going to be times when you walk away from him or you feel like walking away or you feel so distant from Jesus. But he's saying, listen, I'm telling you when life gets tough, when I'm gone, do you know the spirit of truth is coming? But listen, do not go anywhere. Remain in me. What I want to ask this morning is a question. Is as a Christian... Do you remain in Jesus? You might say, well, yes, I've been coming to church for a few years now. And I I do this and I've been doing lots of things for God. Yet I do, uh, Jesus is part of my, yes, I do remain in Jesus. But there's a question, do you really remain in Jesus? I want to ask the question, who is the driving factor of your life? Behind everything, there is a driving factor. There is a motivator. Some of us, sometimes we can get it all wrong. And we can look like the best Christians in sliced bread. That's a term we use in England, if you didn't get that one. But we can look great. We can have everything together. But actually the truth is that we're not really remaining in Him. He is not the driving factor, the source and the drive behind our lives. The title of my message this morning is this. The driving test. The driving test. Many of you have had a driving test maybe. You've gone into that situation where you've been in a car and you've had to 
do a test in front of someone else. And I had mine back, way back when I was 17 years old. It's about 10 years ago. I was sharing that in my testament today. It's not long ago. And we've all had those times when we've, we've had the driving test. We've, you know, you've gone through the training. They've given you the highway code. It's so much harder now because now they have two tests. When I did the test, I'm giving my age away now. When I did the test, they had just one. You didn't do written and, and, a, and a practical. You had just one exam. And now I speak to people and I feel so sorry for the, the generation now where they have to have two tests. You see, I'm terrible at exams. And they give the highway code, but even then when we add the test, you have the highway code, you're given these instructions of, of what you need to do. These are the instructions of life kind of thing, of what you do on the road. And then you have a test to see whether you've read this, you've understood it, and you've put it into practice. And it's so scary. I remember doing it, and the emergency stop was my biggest problem. I thought the guy was going to fly out the windscreen. He still let me pass, though. But we've all had those days when we've had the driving test. You'll see what this means in a minute. But the first thing I want to say is this. John chapter 15 verse 1 to 3, what we first read says this. I am the true vine, says Jesus. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Then he says this, verse 3. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. It's quite an interesting statement. You're already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you, he says. In other words, the first thing today I want to say is this. That we need to be driven in life. If we want to remain in Jesus, we need to be driven by God's grace. Driven by God's grace. Now, what do I mean by that? He says, you're clean already. I've done the job, you're clean because of the word I've spoken to you. We sung it this morning. Majesty, your grace has found me just as I am. There's nothing else I can do. I am already clean. You can't clean yourself up on your own. You need Jesus Christ. You need the sacrifice that was paid on the cross, his precious blood, to pay the price for grace to come. We need to be driven in life by God's grace. But the problem is, and just like it is when you've had the test, you get the highway code and you, you've, you've just passed the test and you've gone through all that, everything's been perfect, now you get in the car on your own and you're going to go for a drive. Well, the first day I passed my test, I'll tell you what I did. I went straight down to my dad's office in a little place called Rotherham, if you know where that is. And I, I walked into his office in front of all his friends and said, Dad, I've passed my test. He's like, wow, such an exciting time. And I said, Dad, can I have the keys to your car? He didn't look so happy then. You know, my dad took pride in his car. And, he, and I could see him just, and all his friends in the office, like looking at him thinking, here it is, this is the time, you're gonna, are you going to do it? And my dad had been teaching me, so I had the insurance. I knew I could use it, but it was like, I've got the key, I can have the keys now. And so he gives me the keys and I walked out. I honestly thought I got the world. I got in his car and I'm now on my own for the first time. No instructor, no dad, no one's next to me. And I'm on my own in the car thinking, remember, first thing, what do I do? And trying to remember all the things I've been taught. All the things that the the, the guy has been telling me to do. Saying, you know, when this happens, you've got to do this. Now I'm on my own. And some of us feel like this. We get saved. We enter that relationship with Jesus. 
And then all of a sudden you think, well, I'm on my own. He's left me. No, he hasn't. He's left his spirit with you. But I remember that when I went out, the first thing I did is I thought, right, I'm going to pick up one of my mates now and show off. So I went and picked up a, a guy, my friend Nathan, where I went round to his house, pulled up outside the house, and I said, Nath, do you want to come with me for a drive? And he says, yeah, let's go. And he says, you passed? I says, yeah, come on, let's go. And I went out in the car. And within about half an hour, we were driving on a, on a single carriage road, and I was behind a lorry. And I was behind this lorry, and all of a sudden, he's got, we got the music blasting, and I'm just thinking, this is it. And he's going, this is so good, you've passed your test, and I'm really happy. I'm trying to put all the things into practice. Then all of a sudden, I thought, I'm going to overtake this lorry and show him what I'm made of. If I just show him this now, a bit of overtaking, you don't, you don't get to do that in your exams, or you don't get to do that in your lessons. It's boring. I want to do some overtaking. So then I just thought, right, I'm going to go overtaking. And do you know what I did? Instead of going into, a, into, into second or third to get around the vehicle, I went into fifth. He looks at me, he's looking at me in confidence, thinking, Phil's going to do this. He, he's passed his test. And I went in fifth gear around this lorry. I soon discovered that the car was slower. All of a sudden, this vehicle is coming towards me at full speed. And Nath is going to me, what are you doing? I'm halfway around a lorry thinking, I don't know, and I, where's the instructor? I didn't realize I should have changed to a lower gear to get around. Listen, I'll tell you what happened. The vehicle that was heading towards me literally stopped at a standstill, did a few signs. I literally, we both stopped. The lorry went on. I never got around the lorry, by the way. The lorry went on. We were facing each other on the wrong side of the road, and I just drove like that and started again. I nearly lost my life that day. But I'll tell you something. What happened is, within moments, I forgot what had been taught. I forgot that where I started. And some of us today, we get bad habits. I'll tell you, if you took your test today, I'm not sure you pass. I'm so, I, I'd be scared if they asked me to take my test again. I'd be doing all sorts of things. You know, they used to say, hold on to the, the steering wheel. they say, what is it, 10 to 12 position? Uh, 10 to 2. Yeah, that's, there you go. That's where you end up. If you do 10 to 12, you are going to be in a... Don't listen to that. 10 to 2. I couldn't pass. Because we pick up bad habits. That's what we do in our, in our walk with God. We start off with grace. Then we start adding stuff in that's not good. We start to add bad habits in that are not good. And it's not what you were taught by the instructor. It's not what he said to you originally. It's not what he was teaching you. And we start to put the Spirit of God aside and we start to do things that are bad habits that we think are good. And we are driven by those things instead in our lives. Listen to this. Jesus says this, didn't he? Right at the beginning of the first verse says, the first thing Jesus says is this. I am the true vine. Now, I don't know if you've noticed noticed this before. I, I used to see, you know, he's the vine, but he's the true vine. That means there's some false vines around, isn't there? How many of you know when they do the contests on TV, is this true or false? It's sometimes difficult to know whether it is true or false. The, true, the, the reason is Jesus is saying, listen, it's going to be hard sometimes to detect what's a, what's a good vine. But I am the true vine. So in other words, he's saying some things are going to come into your life. You're going to add things into your life as you go along. And they're going to be, they're going to be seemingly good vines. Good source. But he's saying, listen to me, 
Don't fall for the mistake. Because I am the true vine. I am the true vine. I want to ask you today, what false vines are in your life that are driving your life? What false things have you allowed to come in? Some of us can have prosperity. We can have things like material possessions, even ministry. That we look at these things and we we work around these things and we lose our focus on Jesus. We lose our focus on grace. It all began for you at the cross. And some of us add so many bad stuff in that we lose and we're not driven by grace. Do you know what? Sometimes when we're so far ahead of ourselves, we think we're moving forward when in fact we're actually moving backwards. Jesus is calling us back. Do you know the other night we had had a word, and I really believe it's in line, on Tuesday night that Rob said that we sometimes we're ahead of God. He says sometimes it's in a bad place to be if we're ahead of him. We're supposed to be following him. And I really believe that is from God, that he wants to speak to us today and say to us, sometimes we think we're so good because we're ahead of Jesus. We need to get following him. His grace is what set us free. His grace is what set us free. God is sometimes calling us back. John 15 verse 2 says this, He, the Father, cuts off every branch, and we are the branches, remember, in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. In other words, he's saying this, there's two types of cutting. There's pruning, there's pruning someone if it's showing fruit in your life, or there's sometimes we're doing stuff in our lives, we're thinking that we're living a lifestyle for Jesus, but actually it's just bad, it's a bad fruit. And Jesus is saying, it needs to be cut off. There's things in your life today that you know that you have allowed to come in. That if you analyze your life, that you started off well by grace. And you've added so much in that these things get in the way. None of us like taking steps back. But actually sometimes taking a step back allows you to see a lot better. It allows you to see a lot better. A famous artist, David Hockney, from near Bradford, up north, he once said this, he said, if you take a step back from the paintings, you see far more. Some people get too close, we get too close, we're looking too far and close, and we're not following Jesus. I want to ask you today, what needs to be cut? What is God revealing in your life that needs to be cut off? Because he says, I'll cut these things. These things the Father needs to cut off. The branches that are not producing fruit. And if we're not grafted into the true vine, that's Jesus, then it's questionable what things are success in life. Are they really driving, driven by God? Or are they driven by us? We say this many times. We say, accept Jesus and let him be the driving seat of your life. Let him take the controls. Let him take the controls. Well, I really believe that sometimes we are the ones who are in the driving seat and he's instructing us. I think actually we get it wrong sometimes. He doesn't take over our lives, get in the driving seat and we're a passenger and just watching what he's going to do next. Oh, Jesus has taken me this way. No, he gives us wisdom and freedom to make choices. So actually, I really believe it's the other way around. I've changed my mind. I believe Jesus. I think we're like the one where we, we take control. He gives us love and, in love and freedom to make the choices. But he's like the driving instructor sat next to us with the pedals ready to brake in case we make a mistake. 
He wants to give us freedom to make choice. We're not puppets. The question is this, that you can be doing lots of things. You can be doing so much for God, so much for him in the kingdom work as well. In ministry, you could be saying, oh, I'm doing so much and this is what I'm doing for God. This is my fruit. But actually, you're not operating under grace. You're operating under self-gratification. Trying to please yourself and make yourself feel better. Do you know this? In Revelation chapter 2 verse 2, Jesus speaks to John in the Revelation. And he's speaking to the church in Ephesus. And he says this. An amazing church in Ephesus that is doing great things. He says, I know your deeds. In verse 2. Your hard work and your perseverance. In other words, you do some amazing things. Great stuff. Great things. Great infrastructure. You've got it all together. But then he says this in verse 4. Yet I hold this against you. This is Jesus speaking. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. What did Jesus say? He says, you're already clean. You started off with grace. You have not started with anything other than me. Without me, you're nothing. Do you realize the only reason you're something is because of me? And here we have it again. He says, repent and do the things you did at first. Not all the stuff you keep adding in that tries to make you look better. If you do not repent, says Jesus, revelation, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Jesus was not talking about a lampstand moving out of your living room. He was talking about that if you look in the Old Testament, you will see that the lampstand in in the temple when they went in, the lampstand represented the light of Jesus. It was filled with oil. It had to be kept being filled with oil. It was representative of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Listen to me. If we continue operating in ourselves, if we continue moving on without the God's grace and not doing the things we did at first and thinking it's all about us in life. He'll remove our lampstand. In other words, he'll remove his presence away. He'll walk away for just a while. Now we know that the Bible says that he'll never leave us or forsake us. But I believe that he can sometimes, we can grieve the Holy Spirit. And he can be away from us for that short time. Because he were not operating under grace. What a start warning. Number two today is this. That I really believe that Jesus wants us to do to remain in him. For him to be that driving source and factor in our lives. We need to be driven by God's word. Driven by God's word. When he says remain in me, he talks about remaining, his words remaining in us. Here it says it, John 15 verse 5 to 7. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. In other words, I'm the source, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. Wow, that's harsh. But then he says this, verse 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Wow. In other words, he says, you need my word to remain in you. 
Now listen, many of us sometimes can do Christianity without the Bible. You can operate, be a Christian, you can do all the right things and not read your Bible. Some of us even rely, and I'm not putting these things down because these things are great by the way, but we can rely on what I, when I was younger, my mum used to give me one when I was backslidden and I used to not follow Jesus, she'd just give me a copy of Every Day with Jesus, which is a little thing that I'd read each day, Every Day with Jesus, and I'd see my dad's lying around the house. But you know, you can't live off Every Day with Jesus. You need to get into the Word of God, because the Word of God needs to be deep-rooted in your heart. It needs to be deeper rooted than just something that someone tells you every day to make you feel good. Now that's good. They're using scripture. But we need to look and search the scriptures for ourselves. Delve into scripture. Let God speak to us. In 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, Paul says to Timothy, that all scripture is God-breathed. In other words, if you're saying, well, scripture's just some, some things put together by some guys at some time, and it's not really religious, it's not spiritual, listen to me, it was put together by men, it was put together as they wrote these things and put them down on paper, or should I say, um, older type material than paper, but as they put these things down, they were inspired and moved by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit allowed these things to come together for us to read today. When you hold your version of your Bible on your shelf, whatever version you've got, whatever you have in your house, you have the Word of God. And we heard it earlier that the Word of God doesn't come alive by you studying it. It comes alive by you living it. It's alive. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It speaks into our hearts. And some of us today need to get back into the word of God. Not just pick up the word of today, but the word of God. We need to pick it up, the word, and read it and say, God, what do you want to speak to me about? Challenge me. Speak into my spirit so that I'm challenged and I'm led by you. It's God-breathed. You see, we can do Christianity without it. What some people do is this. They get all the paperbacks. Some of us don't even read the Christian books anymore. We show up. We can do church Sunday. But we've not even read our Bible at all. And this is not about being legalistic, by the way. It's about relationship. If you love Jesus, you'll want his words. If you want, if you love Jesus with all your heart, you'll want to learn more about him. It's not about you've got to read the Bible to become a Christian. It's the other way around. Once you love Jesus, you want to be in his word. But you know, the enemy wants to take us away from that, doesn't he? Don't rely on the word of God. Rely on your own things. Rely on your own pleasures. And some of us today, we love our paperbacks. There's nothing wrong with reading books or watching TV. But if these things take our focus on the word of God that is alive, we need to check our lives. Are we driven by his word? Or are we driven by the next best program on TV? That keeps us happy every day we watch it. It keeps us going. It's our source, our our vine that, you know, I'm allowed these pleasures. Yes, you are allowed these pleasures. There's no one telling you you're not. But if they become replacement for God, we lose our course. If we don't remain in the word of God, we forget. We forget what it says. I'll tell you we forget. 
We forget. Some people, you used to know the scriptures, you could quote them, you could say things. Oh, when you got saved, I could remember the things that were really dear when I used to read them. I had the marks in my Bible. Now you couldn't speak them, you couldn't even quote them again. But you could tell someone when the best program's on Netflix. You can tell them lots of other information, but you can't quote what was originally really dear in your heart. I want to ask you today, God may be speaking to you saying, what is your driving factor? Is my word the driving source in your life? Because if it is, everything else will come together. Some of us forget. You know, it's like that. We get the highway code. They give us that on the driving test. And I remember getting one and looking at it. If someone gave me a highway code today or they asked me anything about signs, I would have no clue. Now, I'm going to tell you a little secret. It's a confession. Would you like to hear a confession from me? I don't go to confession boxes, I tell everyone in the church. But I made a big mistake. I, did, I, I do something wrong sometimes, you know. And uh, me and Emma, we've had this little debate for many years in the city, in Cambridge, that a certain road is a certain speed limit. And I have my view and she has hers. And there were, at the time, I, we couldn't really work it out with the signage until one day someone told me what the speed limit was. It was the camera. The camera flashed. I don't know why. I don't know why it did. Unfortunately, it was on me. I realized I was wrong all along. I realized I'd got this wrong. And now I get a ticket through the the post. I thought, what? He says, you have to pay this fine. Or you can go on a course to learn how to drive again. Well, if you're, if you're a northerner, you'll always go for the option that doesn't cost anything. So I, so I looked, I thought, well, I'm going to go for the one that doesn't cost me. And, I, and I'm going to go back to this course. So I signed up to the course, which then cost me, I realized, the same amount as the ticket. So then I was questioning, should I go? What's the, what's, it was pence difference. I thought, it's a, it's a few pence saving. Should I not go on it and just pay the fine? But I thought, no, I'll go on this course. Maybe I need to... Remind myself of some of the things. So I signed up to this course online. I felt so guilty. I never told anyone until today. But I'm not perfect. And I made this mistake. And so I signed up to this course. So the next thing was, this, where do I choose to do the course? I thought, I'm going to choose the course that's the furthest away from Cambridge in case anyone sees me. Because if I show up and anyone sees me, what are you here for today? I thought, I don't want anyone to see me. So I tried to select the place where no one would see me. I'd hide my, the stuff I've done wrong. And I, I walk in this day, and I walk in the room, and there's about 25 people, all who've done the same thing. I'll tell you, they didn't even offer free coffee. I thought, oh, well, it's a day there, you know, a day, day at the office listening to some talks about how to drive your car again. Well, it'd probably be, I'll learn a lot again. I need to probably do a refresher course. And so I went in and they said, if you need a coffee, buy it yourself. I thought, this is a good start. And I sat down and then people around the room began to get angry because you could see that they felt they shouldn't be there. And I, I thought, well, I should be here. It's just I made a big mistake. And then all the way through the day, I realized as we had this highway code and we're looking at different things and they're asking us questions, I actually had forgot half of the stuff I'd learned. I realized how much I didn't know anymore. I realized as they talked, I didn't know half the stuff I should know that was actually in the highway code that I'd been given all those years ago when I was 17. And I thought how easy it is to forget 
It's to forget the instructions and to leave them aside. Who picks up their highway code now and reads it? He asked in the room, he said, has anyone got a highway code? No one put their hand up. He said, well, you can buy a copy. Not, I'll give you one. You can buy a copy at this web address. And I thought, oh dear, we've got, I haven't brought any money with me. I can't afford a coffee. I thought they'd give me one free. I thought they'd give me a highway code. No, they were really teaching me. But listen to me. You can do the same in your walk with God. You had a time when you would have probably looked at the highway code for your test. You'd have gone through that initial stage, early days in your Christian walk. But now, moving on, you've disregarded it. You don't need the commands of God. You don't need the instructions anymore in life. You don't need what Jesus has to say because you've worked it all out by yourself. You're driving your own life. And Jesus says today to us, pick up your Bible again and read it. Because you need to have my word in you, my commands in you, because they give life. What does he say? He says this, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Some of us are wondering why he isn't answering us. Maybe we need to get him back in the source again. Maybe we need to get back in the word so that the word of God comes into our lives that faith builds up and we really do ask him with faith. Maybe we're not allowing him to be the source. You know, true disciples, true followers, I believe, desire to know their God. and They desire to get into the word of God. That's the difference, isn't it? Between just going to church. Being a disciple is wanting to know your God. The one who saved you. The one who's done this life transformation inside of you. That it's a miracle beyond itself. That this could happen inside your heart. I want to know that one. I want to know my creator. So you get into his word. Thankfully we can pray to him as well and hear his voice. But also his word comes through reading each day. Maybe you need to do that today. Proverbs 3 verse 1 to 2 says this, my son, in the wise words of King Solomon, he said, my son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life for many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Wow, that's amazing. It should be deep rooted in our hearts that we don't forget it. And do let me tell you this as well. The word of God, as Jesus said, he says, if, you, if the word of God remains in you, he says, then you can ask what you wish. Let me tell you what the word of God does. The word of God is creative in its nature. You see, the word of God is what allowed creation to come to being. And then when Jesus comes, it says the word becomes flesh. The word is creative in its nature. In other words, when the word of God is inside of us, we can ask whatever we wish because God said, let there be light. The word of God has power to create. And in our lives, when we're saying, I want this to happen and I want to pray, sometimes we need to get the word of God so inside of us and deep-rooted that we believe that when we speak and ask God, that the word of God has given us faith to speak things into being and ask God for them. In faith. You see this, Psalm 33 verse 6 says this, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry host by the breath of his mouth. You look at next time when there's a clear night of the stars outside and see what it says here that Psalm 33 says, by his word it was all made and created when he spoke it into being. In other words, when the word of God is inside of us, it has a creative quality to produce 
Jesus said in John 15 verse 5, If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If we don't remain in him and he is not the source, let me tell you what we get. We get professional fruit. We get professional, good-looking fruit that anyone could reproduce. It could be manufactured anywhere. And I'm asking you today, what is the fruit in your life? Is it manufactured and professional? Or is it from Jesus Christ? Is it truly the source is driven from him in your life today? And finally, number three, we need to be driven by God's love. Driven by God's love. John 15 verse 9 to 10, Jesus said this, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. You know, some of us today, we can understand what it is to have grace and acceptance and operate under grace, come back to the cross. We can read his word, but we don't operate our lives in love. You know the access to the Father. You know what it is to read the word and feel encouraged each day. But when it comes to loving other people and operating your life in love, just as Jesus said, we don't do it. And some of us today, we lose that that sense of love and that captivating love for Jesus Christ. And if we haven't got the captivating love for Jesus, how can we love anyone else? You know, so many people, when we see these things, uh, what we showed you earlier, the uh, last reformation, some people think, how can I do that? Do you know what makes you do that? It's when you love people. If you love people, if you really love people the way that Jesus did, you want to share the gospel with them. You want to share kingdom with them. And some of us need to be compelled again by love. For love to be the driving factor of our relationship with God. But some of us today may be saying, you know, I find it difficult just doing church, just being a Christian is hard enough. Listen, we need to come back. If we come back to our first love, he will allow his love to flow through us again. I want you to test this morning if love is the driving factor in your relationship. You know, many times when we've been out on the streets, we've prayed for the sick, and we've, done, we've seen some tremendous things. I've always encouraged the guys, and we've said amongst us, we said, one thing we need to do is make sure that people are never projects. People are not projects. They are not for our experiment. They are people who we should love. There are people, the only reason why people get healed when we pray for them and we see great and mighty things that God does through us is because Jesus loves them. The only reason that that it's happening is not because we're there because we've got some special power. No, we have nothing because when it all comes to grace and you come back to the cross, you have nothing without him. And the only fruit that's produced is because of him. And when we go out, I realize that actually I need to be more and more in love with Jesus, but more and more compelled by love for people. Because when we're compelled by love and we're not compelled by a project, you'll see great and mighty things. Because your heart is focused on people. That's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus came. He came because he loved the world. What does it say, John three sixteen? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. For God's soul of the world, he gave his only son. 
In other words, he loved the world that much, even though they rejected him before he even came. Jesus came, even though the, the world didn't want God. He loved the world that much, he couldn't do anything but send Jesus. That is love. Vast as the ocean. We can remain in the knowledge of the word of God, knowing the word of God, but we don't remain in his love. And I want to encourage you today to test your life if you're driven by love or you're driven by your own self. 1 Corinthians 5, 14, Paul says this, Christ's love compelled him. Christ's love compelled him. You know, that word compel, it's, it's a, a word that's described to constrain, to hold a tight grip. And we need to have that constraint in our hearts, that love, that deep love, that strong love, that agape love for people. To function with love. It was out of love that Paul, Apostle Paul, functioned. But it also represents the Father's heart, doesn't it? When Jesus operated, he operated in love. If the worship team want to just come back, I want to ask you today, are you operating in love? We need to remember what Jesus did. He died for us. You see, in John 15, what I read earlier, in verse 12, I think it is, but Jesus, he says, he, he talks about laying his life down for his friends. He says, greater love is no man than this, that he lays life down for his friends. He said, love others like I have loved the Father. The same relationship. In other words, what he's saying is this. Mimic the same relationship that I have with the Father. I obey his commands. There is a love that goes. And greater love has none than this that I'd lay my life down. In other words, you need to love others more than yourself. One time in the Bible, one of the religious teachers came to Jesus. And he says, what is the greatest commandment? What's the greatest commandment? Is the, one, is, the, is the one that's above every one of them. Jesus responded to love God with all your heart, your mind, your soul. We need to love God with our everything. Because when we do, everything else falls into place. How can we remain in God's love? Jesus says, if you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love. If you keep my commands, if your word is in your, in my, if my word is in your heart, Jesus is saying, if you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love because my commands, my word, it works like this, that grace made a way for you, that grace made access for you. I am the way into relationship with the Father, the truth, the spirit of truth comes in through reading the word of God. The spirit of God will speak to you again, confirming the word, it will give you truth and life. If you want to remain in life, you need to love people. You need to operate in love. By remaining in that place of grace and in God's word. I want to just read this last scripture to you and then we're going to stand and worship just in a moment. But 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1 to 9. This scripture is read at weddings all the time. People don't realize half the time what it's speaking about, but they say, I want this at my wedding. 
But 1 Corinthians 13, 1-9, Paul shows us the importance of love. He says this, and he's actually speaking. When people ask, they say, can I have this at a wedding? And sometimes they're not even born again believers. But he's actually talking about tongues, speaking in tongues, the gifts of the Spirit. Paul says this, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. In other words, Paul said this, that love should be the driving factor of everything in spiritual gifts. Everything we do in our operation, love should be the center of it all. I want to ask you today, is love the center? You may be operating in gifts today. You may be operating in miracles, signs and wonders, prophecy, hearing from God. But if love is not the driving factor of your, of your ministry or your giftings, then it's nothing. It means nothing. Jesus wants us to love people first before we love the gifts. If we love people first, the gifts come after. Amen. Let's just stand. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.